Welcome to The Ledger Show. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Christian. And today, I really have the pleasure to have Hari here with me. Hari, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Christian. Thank you for having me here. Before jumping into today's topic, you just changed company, right? You moved to Yababa yeah. not a long time ago, right? Yeah, exactly. Like two months ago. How, how is it going there? I, I think it's, it's, I mean, it's an interesting company. It's a startup working in, I guess, a super competitive field right now. Yeah, indeed. Even though, I mean, there are like some difference between the quick and delivery commerce, grocery industry compared to Yamaha. So we can talk a little bit about that in the coming minutes. But indeed, like two months that I did like this change and actually coming from a public open company to an early stage startup brings like a lot of challenges, but also a lot of joyful and pretty exciting, I would say events like in the career. So it was already like a move that was, I think about to do already like for a couple of time and I'm pretty happy with this choice. You see, so I have like one, one first question. So sure. you recently moved to Yababa. What was your focus during this, this three, like you said two months, right? Yeah. After you, you left Marley Spoon for Yababa. Yeah. So basically we have like a couple of focus, right? In the last like two months, of course, that like the valuation markets uh, changed like quite significantly, like in the last like months. So that brought up like some additional challenge, like for the market, but basically like the main focus is really like to work on the cash management and also like here. So understanding quite well, like what is like a unit's economics. Uh, understanding what is like the roadmap for profitability, uh, like the coming months. So like in terms of SEM1, SEM2, SEM3. So everything that actually should be like the core focus of like the companies is basically what we are working like nowadays at Alaba. And also, of course, take into account understanding quite well, like our budget for the next like six months, because here is even like a little bit tricky, right? Like previously, many companies work at actually in three, four years like plan. Of budget, we don't see that as realistic anymore, just because, I mean, so many things are happening across the world, like high inflationary situation, environment in many countries, including like European countries, also raising of interest rates, like everywhere. So, I mean, this uncertainty also like brings really big challenge to come up like with long-term budget. So we're always focused now on delivering six like three months about it here at Ababa, and also, of course, provide quite a lot of data visualization, transparency, like to the management team, making sure that like this business departments have full data to make the correct decisions. And of course, we need to always provide financial figures like to our business partners, including like the shareholders and being also like in constant interaction with them. And I would say one of like the most important things is really to engage and partner with business teams. Finance cannot be isolated in a silo, right? In an island, to me, finance must interact and must communicate quite well with like the rest of like the company. And that is like our main, let's say, goals here. Of course, that as Yalaba is still like a seed level startup, that also brings a lot of challenge in terms of implementing a new finance tech stack, 
to refine like our units economics. So basically almost building the financing from scratch is one of like the biggest challenges that we have currently here. Previously, basically we had one finance manager who has been actually holding the fort, had to put it like this way for the previous like 10 months. So he's like a really amazing guy. However, of course, like in a really high volume business, like the grocery delivery industry is one area, one industry that demands a lot of, let's say, work hours and also like resource for our finance department. So it's really important to have a pretty, let's say, understandable view of how like the finance team should look like. So it's really important to implement, to create a like process, SOP, to make sure that mainly accounting, controllership, FFNA, and financial reporting work. Monthly tasks don't suffer significant change month over month, right? They must be like quite stable. So basically having like the stability of like the, I would say the core finance team areas, you can go ahead and you can provide like better data and also financial figures on time to the management team and also like to the investors. Okay. And of course, like one of the things that sometimes you're like thinking quite a lot here, like at Alaba, of course, that like the time is really like challenging, like nowadays due to several reasons, right? Like inflation, like some recession outlook in some country in Europe, like in the US, so higher interest rate less confidence in the customer index, but what you always keep up and thinking ahead is that's going to pass, right? I mean, like the economy is basically based on cycles and we just believe that is going to pass at some point in the future and the macroeconomic conditions are going to improve again. So we're really like looking forward here at Alaba is to work and to be ready when like the macroeconomic conditions are going to be better again. And of course, leave created like a much better actually company to work and to manage in the coming months and years. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm old enough to remember the 2008 cycle. And I, I guess we recover some more from that cycle. And hopefully this is just going to be another shorter one. Yeah, but, it's, I mean, you, you, shared, you shared a lot of things. W one quick question, like how big is the finance team there at Yababa right now? So basically like nowadays we're like, Three people, including me. So we're planning now to go to four by the fourth quarter. And of course, like as soon as like the, like the company scales up, I mean, like the thing is going to increase and take over like more responsibilities. But currently you're talking about three people and going to four until the end of the year. I guess you need to have a lot of work because the company is like 120 people, I think. And yeah, given the amount of business that you have, it's, I see. Yeah. Currently um, we have like 140 people. And including a lot of imports to process, right? So that's like the funny part. <laughs> but you're like on, on, on the customer side, I think you're, you're like a B2C company, right? So you sell directly to customers and probably like the settlement, like you, they pay you by cards. So it should be simplified, the reconciliation process somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say that like in a high volume business at like as Alaba, the main challenges are actually on the vendor side, not like on the customer mm -hmm. side like from a finance team perspective. So basically we, of course, we apply payment methods like as PayPal Stripe to conduct like a business as like any other startup in terms of like grocery delivery industry. On the other hand, in terms of, of course, 
the other side is always like challenge, right? Because uh, many times you kind of work with a pretty, let's say, significant uh, supplier base to work with like several different products. So here at Yababa, we work like with several SKUs. So like the number is very higher compared even like to the new kit business and also with like the quick commerce delivery industry. Okay. We work up to 5,000 SKUs that brings additional complexity to the business and also like to the vendors management parts. So basically I would say that is like the area that we spend like mostly our time and also of course developing like from the scratch, the FF&A area, like the financial reporting and also like the investor relations part also like takes some time, but I would say these topics are much more, they are not like really time consuming, like the accounts payables. So I think that is more or less like the current, let's say situation right here. So, so you, you mentioned vendors and suppliers. Do, do you have like a supply chain, a supply chain functions inside a company? Yeah. So basically it's not well defined as supply mm -hmm. chain function. So basically operations and commercials, they divide like several roles of like supply, but definitely you can identify some supply chain roles here and there. What's really challenging with the AP part? Like it's because it's still low tech. It's because the integration with the suppliers is still pretty hard. Yeah. So basically we're still like a pretty early stage startup, right? So we're still implementing like our ERP system. So like many things are still being done like in data. So, and we are trying to move like that as soon as possible to the year. We are going to use Microsoft Business Central, where it's like a pretty nice solution for like small, medium enterprise. So, I mean, that is going to give us like conditions to move forward and also like have a better visualization about the accounts payables process. Okay. But of course I would say is like a step-by-step -step like process. And what you need to make sure is always like to have an open communication with like the vendors and make sure that every information received by us or sent by us are accurate, right? Because regardless, the finance tech stack that they're going to use, what you need to make sure is that the information handled by you and managed by your team actually is correct and is accurate based on like your internal data and also, of course, information sent by the vendors. So that's what I believe and that's what we are working like nowadays. So the idea is that implementing the ERP is going to change somehow. It's going to simplify your life and hopefully also the life of the vendors. I is hope that so. the right picture? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, but of course, I mean, usually that's like a long way to go, you know, and of course that requires a lot of investments. So many times like the ERP is not, let's say the magic solution. You also need to have like people on the ground to prepare like the whole finance tech stack and also like bring some customization on the table. So that's like really important, but of course that's going to be like a huge help for managing better, not only like the accounts payable side, but also I believe the financial report and fap process, right? Because I mean, like in the end, the data points, they should be actually connected to each other and not being separated. I guess that right now for the FPNA, you rely on spreadsheet or you integrate the data. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So we're still like using Google spreadsheets. We also have like a plan. The comes to migrate like to some FF and A tool, but we're still looking to the market now. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you, you mentioned a couple of really interesting topics. I mean, we we just touched the the like the tech stock part and maybe we're gonna dig into this mm -hmm. a little bit more later. But yep. you mentioned about silos. So about the fact that the finance team should be connected with all the other teams. 
Is this a problem that you have right now that you think you have right now at, at Yababa and maybe also in your previous company? And if, if so, like what, what are you doing to, to help with this? Yeah, I think usually anything related to the finance team is always like a two-way street, okay? Because many times actually the finance team or the finance department as a whole was seen like as a watchdog, you know? Or 100% of like the company's internal controls that brought up, of course, I would say two main issues, both to the finance team and also like the business departments. One is that finance team concentrated a lot of information, what it makes sense, because in the end, the transactions level based work is done by the finance team. On the other hand, it also created a sense that the other teams didn't have the need to control like their expense, like their agreements and so on. Because in the end you, you had like a kind of watchdog protecting like the cash flow, protecting like the expense and so on. So what I believe is basically we should not be 100% like this old, let's say scheme, this old framework, or even like 100%, right? We should actually meet both sides in the middle and actually empower like the business teams to look at the data and to make like the correct decisions based on their needs. And also the account team needs to kind of find ways to partner better with like the business department and actually find out other like solutions, not only in terms of decreasing the work hours from the teams, like the finance teams are always, let's say, some, I, I have like a free translation result that I like to use, which basically means the financing many times is just like running against the dog's tail. You know, we are always trying to kind of find, let's say, a solution or problems that are already like there for several months. And why that happens, sometimes is always like a kind of $1 million question. No one knows like how to answer that, but that's the reality, right? On the other hand, Many times the business department teams, they don't know actually what is going on. Also like with the numbers that actually they are driving, let's say revenue, cogs, expense, additional outcome to the company, right? So basically both parties actually should like meet in the middle. And that's something that I really tried to bring here, like at the Ababa, not only improving business process internally to the finance team, but also giving visualization to people saying, Look, guys, that was like the cash flow from the last week. That was like the cash flow uh, in the current month. So please see here below what is happening, what a kind of expense you have incurred. The same thing was like PNL. So showing like highlights, low lights, more details, like graphs, explanations. And then people actually are going to start to understand how actually their impulse are really like valuable. And then we can make like business decisions smarter and also like driving by data instead of by good feeling, right? So I think that there's two big items that I just described it now. Of course, they are interconnected, but also I think that, I mean, the new finance professional needs to look for different ways of working and collaborating like with different people. Oh, I, I think that part was key. Like, I mean, something that I understood from what you said is, I mean, usually the finance team is, is like under stuff. So we need to catch up with a lot of work, which means we cannot really focus on the present and on the future. Uh, and maybe, I mean, that that's probably something funders and the boards should should think about. Uh, 
And the other trend that you shared is like finance people, they should be more used to work with data. And that's something that I see. I see a lot of aid of finance yeah. people also be in charge of data inside companies, which is a really interesting trend. Yeah. Do you have any strategy around that? Or if, if like, if, if you would recommend or you need to advise any like new company or startup and, you know, you're just starting out with things, is there anything that you would recommend them to, you know, you, you need to have this as soon as possible because yeah. it's going to help you. Yeah. I think that's a really good question, right? What would be required since the beginning for any like startup company? I think sometimes when I'm seeing like the numbers and of course reviewing like the financial data, I believe that like a company, for instance, like for cash, should look like your cash flow from a personal savings perspective, right? I mean, you, can, you have like basically cash outflow, cash inflow, investments, funding. So, I mean, that should not be like really different from what you're doing. Of course, on a different scale, the money is not yours, you know, of course. But I mean, in the end, like there is no magic formula how to calculate like cash burn, for instance. I mean, it's always like pretty straightforward, right? So I really believe that before actually people go into data analytics solution, one of the most important thing is, do, are you sure about like your current numbers? Do you know how much actually you're burning as cash per month? Do you know how much revenue you're making, you know? And at the beginning, I would really like suggest to go like to Google spreadsheets. If you don't know what is happening to make sure that your assumptions are correct. And after that, of course, going like to the data analytics that are going to help you to scale up the business and make sure that, I mean, the data that you have put there was correct, right? I think that many times, and that is maybe a kind of, let's say, trick from my previous background. What makes more sense for me is always make sure that the original data is correct. And then you keep up using like this data into a, a data analytics tool to make like your data visualization like better and make sure that like the other stakeholders not involved like the finance team closing also understands that, right? The understanding of the data, the understanding, later we can talk a little bit more about the customer side as well. The understanding of like the metrics or what are like really matters. It's not actually what is like behind that, but what actually a specific percentage of increase in CM1 is telling me. I mean, that was coming from a specific product margin improvement, or that was coming like from our order, you know, number of order increase. So actually what was like the root cause from that? So I think that like the data analytics is really great, but the finance teams must make sure that the data that we use to feed like the data analytics are the correct ones. So that I would say is like one of my main inputs, but of course that's also biased by my audit experience in the past that, I mean, brought me to this conclusion afterwards in my life. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, data quality, that's fundamental. And the other thing that you share is you need to, to get the basic right. So, I mean, you need to be pretty sure about your cash in and cash out because that I mean, that's going to decide whether it's, you, you're going to close the company or not, basically. That's okay. You mentioned something about customer on the customer side. I mean, you're like, your Baba is working in the grocery yep. industry. I know that margins there, they're pretty low. So I, I, I guess a company has to, to do her best or its best to, to really protect this margin, actually increase the margins. 
Is, is there any strategy that you have in place right now at Yababa to, to make this happen? Yeah, sure. We have like a lot of, a lot of, let's say, strategy around this topic. And so basically what I believe like the whole grocery industry, right? The whole grocery industry actually was always marketed by having, let's say, low margins. I mean, if you see like the traditional players, the traditional players, they are not like no for having, let's say, really high like margins as like other companies. So basically also like this movement of like startups challenging like this market is also like driving by improving like the historical margins that like traditional groups could not break for many, many years, right? So, I mean, many times like traditional retailers, players were like celebrating 1% of increase like in the net income year over year because that was like a huge improvement in terms of like units economics. So basically here, like at Yababa, we are really like looking forward to, of course, to improving like the margins and that could come like from different ways, right? One of the way, of course, is to get like better deals with like suppliers is to go and understand better our customer needs because maybe like we are like just purchasing something that actually the customers don't want and that generate like other problems for you, like shrink it, like waste, right? That's like a regular problem for many companies in grocery industry. And of course, I mean, understanding how like your customer base works with like price increase, right? So I think that inflation also like puts a huge pressure on us to kind of make smart decisions. I mean, your customer base is like sensitivity to the price or not? What do you can kind of like play around? What are kind of, let's say, strategy you can implement, right? What you're seeing here is basically that like our customer uh, base actually really enjoys like promotion and we are working like in this direction like many times. And of course, we are trying really like to work with like renegotiations with like vendors to get like better deals, going and like discovering like new suppliers, new vendors that could help us improving like our margins. And of course, rolling out like other categories, other like products to increase like the basket size consequently as well, the margin. So you want to work, like you want to have some smart data on, on top of the customer to improve your margins. And you also said want to work closer and also find new suppliers. And you also mentioned the promotion. So I guess you want to help the suppliers emptying their stocks in some ways. That's a possibility as well, right? So it's a possibility to run like marketing partnerships, like make some arrangements with like consignment and so on. So like in a grocery business, you have like a lot of options to work around with vendor suppliers, but also like the promotions should be used like in a smart way, right? How mm -hmm. actually you can also manage, let's put it like this way, your like inventory also like with promotions. I mean, and to be honest with you, promotions is something that everyone loves, right? So, yes. I mean, how can we make sure that like your value proposition message is aligned with like what the customer is telling you? And also like make sure that they must get happy, you know, with you. So that's more or less what I believe is not only about having a super friendly app, by the way, that we have, you know, and other like, let's say web shop initiatives and other like really nice things, but also what is like the value proposition that the customer is seeing, you know? So basically uh, for me, like finance is also like here to help and to connect the dots, 
right? It's not only like to point fingers and request like to the improve the margin, but actually we are here to help you and also applying a customer centric base because in the end, what like the customer wants is like what matters. And we are going to make sure that like this wish is fulfilled by not only finance, but also like by the business teams. I, I want to ask another, like one last question, I think about sure. the supplier, and then I think we can talk about the expansion. So you really want to have a close loop with the supplier. Do you think that the current supplier, like, are they like receptive to, okay, we want to work with your startup because we want to also innovate because we, I don't know, we've been in this market for, mm -hmm. as a distributor, as a supplier for many years. And you know, the way of working is pretty much the same. You get your terms, you order the things and. Yeah, so basically it's really challenging that maybe include here like a retrospective, right? So as I was like working at the management before, I was also like used to work with like significant, let's say suppliers in Australia, US and Europe, uh, moving like to Ababa, what I have seen as like the biggest difference, of course, are like payment terms, you know, so basically like the payment terms in an early stage startup is much shorter. What puts you sometimes always like on pressure to make payments. So that's something that we are working nowadays to kind of solve. And to be honest with you, that's one topic that sometimes we need to be creative. So what I mean about creative is not being creative about the cash location. It's just being creative actually about how we manage like these topics, right? So basically making sure that for instance, like the vendors are going to get like the money at the due date. So how we can do that in Europe, we can provide them direct debits, mandates, you know, for instance. So then they are going to give us like two, three weeks of payment terms, knowing that once the due date arrives, basically they just apply and they just like direct debit from us. All the topics we can find suppliers that accept like credit cards. And then naturally you already have like the credit line from the supplier. Of course, that is always a little bit challenging when you're talking about like to food vendors usually, because also they have like really short payment terms internally. So you need to play a little bit with like market power that usually our early stage startup doesn't have, right? So it's always, let's say, a kind of game of negotiation of creating, let's say, a good relationship, thinking also like about the future, right? So the idea of course is always like to scale up the business and we need to make sure that the message is clear together with the vendor. Look, you're building up something here for the next five, 10 years. And that's is going to mean that you're also going to receive rewards from that early partnership that you have with us. So I think that is a little bit one side being creative, how you can improve like your payment terms and another way also building great and strong business relationships, you know, with like vendors. And of course, once you get it like stronger, 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 you started to have access to not only wholesalers, let's say vendors or like with small vendors, but also you can get it like in contact with like big suppliers that in the end is going to improve like your payment term is going to improve like several other factors for our procurement, let's say sites. You mentioned about being creative, but you didn't mention banks. So I guess it's something you're not looking into, like getting like credit on your supply chain or finance your supply chain in any way. Do you mean credit lines, like overdraft yeah, amounts, sort of, kind of things? Yes. 
Yeah. No, I think that one, actually, to be honest with you, that is one of the last alternatives because you're going to pay interest on top of that. And usually like over draft amounts, like usually also like a bad sign to the investors. So I'd say, to be honest with you, that's like the last resort that we would like use. So, okay. It's not like a competitive way to, to manage her. No, no, no. I don't think so. We have like some discussions about credit lines. If credit lines could improve like business relationship and payment terms with specific vendors, but this is still a pretty, let's say, embryonary and discussion. But to be honest with you, nowadays we are like using the bank, of course, to pay like vendors that we cannot kind of postpone more in terms of like having better payment terms, but we are not planning to use like vendors payments using overdraft or credit lines facilities, because even, I mean, we need to also like think, right, that's going to be sustainable, not like in a long term. I mean, the vendor payment is something that actually is like your regular and recurrent transactions, you know, platform. So how are we going to change like that, right? It makes sense or not. So for me, I would say from a cash flow management, the overdraft is always like the last results. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Also, you're building a relationship with your vendors. So yeah, I think it's key to build them on like strong foundations. Yeah. I was checking your Bubble website before and I see you're active in many European, like in many German cities right now. And yeah. I guess you also plan to expand to Europe. I mean, to the rest of Europe sooner or later. Yeah. So basically we are live in six cities in Germany. So basically we are live like in Berlin, Cologne, Dusseldorf, Essen, Bonn, and Duisburg. So basically like this year, of course, like the macroeconomic conditions, I feel like some challenge for international expansion. So at this point, we don't have like any plan to go international, like to other countries in Europe. But of course, that doesn't change like our main goal to become like the market leader for multi-ethnic grocery delivery industry in Europe. However, like this year, I don't believe that we're going to go uh, abroad. Uh, however, it doesn't change the fact that we can expand to get of Germany, right? Germany is like the most powerful, the most like rich country like in Europe that contains a significant percentage of immigrants in the population base, right? Germany is around like 20% and many of them actually are looking for products that we sell. So basically the expansion is going to happen like inside of Germany. And that comes like from different perspectives. I have a question related to your experience at Milespoon. So you were in charge of global accounting there. Yeah. So I guess one. this is the kind of experience that also you want to bring or that you're bringing at, at Yubaba. Is there like any advice or something you want to share with like companies that are now approaching like a global expansion in the way in which the finance team should approach this, like things that they should like look for, things they should be extremely careful about? Yeah. So basically, yes, I was like the global head of accounting over there, what basically means overseeing the accounting practice across Europe, US, and like Australia. Okay. And of course, as accounting also has, needs to give like to the financial reporting team, almost like the raw data to work with like the financial statements with like the financial reporting. I was there like many times also helping like my colleagues. So this, it was what I did like previously. So basically, yes, I believe that like nowadays, actually data is one of like the most important things for like almost everyone, like in the finance team. 
And to me, what is also like more important actually is how to manage the data, right? To a couple of things that you see, like the market also like talking to colleagues from other companies is how actually we save time processing like data, understanding the data and getting like the data insights, right? Because many times people are just like draw in terms of, let's say meetings, in terms of like interna internal discussions. And that creates like a lot of challenge, like for also like the managers to take decisions, right? But the data is more than ever like important to understand that. But again, that doesn't stop us to require to understand the basics before actually we go to the data analytics and see what is happening. The finance professional nowadays, I see a really high demand in the markets. So you have like several, you know, new skills coming up. So, but of course, also, I think that like what people need to think is that it's really important to keep understanding the data, right? To keep understanding actually the basics. So a couple of things that I have seen like mainly the beginning of the year, like last year, when we had like a lot of, let's say, recruiting process at the Madison was actually how people didn't understand actually the basics. So what I mean about that, like uh, accounts payables process, like how like the accounts payables work, right? The credit and debit, at least, I mean, how it works. It's not really about what the tool is doing, but it's really about actually what are your understanding, you know, behind the platform working, you know, you don't need to be an expert about like knowing 100% of the tax laws, but you need to have like a good understanding about actually you're going to see this data like later, you know? So for me, as a finance manager, what I always like look forward is to see who can grasp, who can actually identify, not only that the tool get like a data, a document here, process there, and then goes like to approval. No, actually what is behind that? You know, when you process like one invoice, actually where this invoice is going to go, I mean, even like in terms of expense, in terms of PNL, you know, you don't need to be an expert, let's say in terms of financial reporting, but actually just have like a good understanding, you know, I mean, it's going to go to the PNL at some point, right? So, I mean, where is it going to be? If you like the Facebook invoice, I mean, that should not go to the marketing expense or maybe like somewhere else, like somewhere else, like in the PNL. I mean, that is basically like my recommendation, my suggestion, like to people also like to understand that. Do you mean with that, that people should be more aware of what the company is actually doing? Like you're not just managing documents. You really need to understand like the documents that you're managing. Definitely. So definitely, okay. yes. I think that like understanding of company business is still one of like the biggest requirements in the finance world. And of course, different requirements are different across different, let's say, levels, right? So of course that you should not expect like from a new joiner, like a new uh, entry-level position to understand 100% of the transactions. But I think it's always nice to read a little bit about the company, take like your own conclusions about like how the business model works more or less. And of course, ask questions, you know? I mean, no one is the owner of the truth, but you are like super actually welcome to ask like questions like the people and actually sometimes even like challenge, you know, the managers. Look, I saw A, B, C, and D, but Rory, you know, Chris said, how can I see that like the PNR? I'm not seeing that, you know, or like I'm seeing like your announcement, like in the investor relations website, if the company is public, can you explain me a little bit, like how does it work? 
you know? So I think that always, let's say, welcome. In terms of like finance management side, I really believe that new skills are being required more and more often. Of course, that CFO have like different profiles of CFO around like the, around like the market. You have like really traditional like CFOs that are focused on like accounting, controllership, and financial report. You have like other CFOs that are more strategical and business partnership like CFOs. You have like others who are like in the middle. So, I mean, just define who you are and try to kind of hire like people who are going to fill out the gaps, right? So basically what I did here at Yababa as the head of finance, I wrote for instance, like one of my friends who I worked at like eight years ago in Brazil to kind of work with us as the account and fp manager, because I knew that he was going to help us like quite a lot, you know? So that is also like something that I really appreciate to do. And I think that people needs also like to understand that once they take over like new challenge, you know, if they see some needs like in their, let's say teams, actually it's not really to be afraid to say, look, I need to get it like this person. I need to get it like this specific profile to, you know, to fill out like one vacancy, one position in my team. Do you think there is, there is a gap in the market about the people that like companies like Yababa or startups in general are looking for their finance profiles, like skills that maybe they're missing or lacking? Yeah, I think that one of like the, to be honest, I feel like two main points. I have identified like in my previous years, doing a lot of recruitment process, like in the US and Europe mainly. One of them is communication. So to me, the finance professional must be also a good communicator. That was not a reality like many years ago, right? To me, finance was always isolated island, as I said before was always like a bookkeeper, the watchdog, like the person who was always like complaining, oh, you overspent. Can you give me like explanation for A, D, and C? I don't think that's going to be like the role anymore, like the profile. Actually you need to evolve. And the evolving for me actually comes from being a really great communicator, connecting dots and actually coaching like the team as well. So maybe I would say like this three men characteristics are going to be like really important, right? The finest professionals usually are really good at raising questions. And sometimes I really go and I talk like to my colleagues here, you know, to the management team sometimes, guys, sorry, I'm going to ask you a really dummy, dummy question, you know, excuse me for that, but why B doesn't connect with B? Can you explain me that, you know? So this kind of questions actually a finance professional can ask because also understands like how they let's say it's a document flow in my head, you know, it's like a flow shot. So if you do A, you're expecting to receive B and there is like a B in the mean, like in the middle. So how can we identify that? And how can you make sure that things are, let's say, connecting, you know, like between both of that. And another one, uh, I said too, right? I already spent some time <laughs> explaining like the communication part, but also I think that's about actually technical knowledge in a way that you must understand the basics. Okay. If I hire someone for a senior position, this person should be able not to challenge me or not like saying, look, Rory, you're wrong in everything that you're doing, but actually they should be able to challenge me like in you know, some specific degree of like technical knowledge, you know, say, look, what are you doing? Maybe it doesn't make sense. Can you explain me why? You know, that's what I expected to see like a senior, like a manager level. And many times actually people 
for several reasons. And to me, honestly, is because they don't read like the company financial statements when they are public. And also they don't read about the company. They don't ask questions that could actually be a differentiation, differentiation for them, you know, like in the hiring process. So for me, these are usually like the two topics that are missing, being like a really great communicator and also like missing the understanding of the business, the understanding of financial statements many times to really become like a better professional, you know, because in the end, I mean, it's really about understand the business, right? And really like talking to people. So basically like these are like the two features that I see, like mostly people missing all this. I guess a lot of people like finance manager or people that work in finance, they, they still have this idea of just being a bookkeeper, Yeah, which is I just do my job and I don't ask questions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And one of the things that you need to think about it as well, as I work at like at audit function, right? For seven years at Deloitte is also how the new generations are coming to the markets. I mean, the big four firms already like raised several flags, not only in Brazil, not only in the US, but also in Europe, you know, that they're going to face some workforce shortage for several reasons, right? For monetary reasons and et cetera, but also how this new generation of professions are going to come into the markets, right? So that is like a pretty big challenge for the market the coming years, like the number of like students in finance, like in management, in economics are decreasing quite quite a lot, like everywhere in the world. So basically that creates like some challenge also like for the finance departments moving forward because the coach on the job is going to be more important than ever, right? And many times actually companies, uh, corporations, they are not used to do like coach on the job differently from big four funds because it's just like different structures, different, of course, business models, you know, but they need to balance out like to, its, uh, to themselves. So, I mean, let's see how it's going to be, but also I think that the human capital is going to be one topic that the finance leaders as a whole need to think like in the future. I think that was a great way to close the interview, Hardy. I, I think it's time to wrap up and I just sure. love to ask you like a, just a few questions just, just to close this interview. So the, the first question is, what is the best piece of career advice that, that you have received? I don't be afraid to make chains, you know, and to take risks when you are young. I mean, when you're a little bit okay. older, that's another story. <laughs> a good one. What book would you recommend to our audience? Yeah. So recently I read like two books. So one of them rules rules from Reed Hastings and Ari Meyer. So really nice book. And another one, Human Accuracy, uh, from Zanini and Hamlet, if I'm not wrong. Okay. Good ones. What's your main passion as, outside of work? Football. I would say also international relations. <laughs> Okay, that's I, pretty I keep good. Awake, uh, I, yeah, I keep awake like until 3 a.m. sometimes to watch like my favorite team play in Brazil. So that's a really, you know, a real passion, I would say. <laughs> I, I need to ask this question. What, what is your favorite football team in Brazil? Fluminense Football Club that shares the same okay. colors from Italy flag. So nice, nice. I can send you some pictures later. <laughs> okay. Anything that you're specifically learning right now? Is there any knowledge gap that you discover after? you decide to move to a new company at a different stage or something that you were learning before? So definitely, as I think that like, I mean, I mean, constantly, let's say evolving like myself as a professional, 
So of course I need to close like some gaps in terms of like FFNA knowledge. The basics is there, but that's one thing like important. I also like to work with investors. So this like investor relations is something also like pretty specific, pretty, let's say hard to do sometimes as well, because you need to understand like people profiling, you need to understand some background situations that are happening as well. And I'm not talking about here, but I'm talking about like a general, let's say market conditions. Okay. So yeah, I think these two areas are like the ones that I need to kind of develop more. Okay. Hori, it was a pleasure to, to have you on the show. So if people want to find, to find out more about Yababa, they, they can check the website. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's, what's the best way? Yeah. So basically just like reach me out by LinkedIn as basically my name is Rory Ribeiro. So Rory, usually Rory Yababa should already like find me because I'm the only Rory at Yababa. So it should be like pretty straightforward. And also it's not like a common name in Brazil. So. I'm going to be that. <laughs> okay, pretty cool. Uh, Hori, thank you for joining me today. Uh, it was a pleasure and wishing you the best. Cool. Thank you very much, Christian. Thank you once again for having me here.